On episode 37 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, why are Facebook employees so loyal and how do you get that loyalty for your company? When you watch the news and you find organizations that are falling apart, 99% of the time trust has been broken with customers, with employees, with shareholders. Trust breaks and companies fall apart. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Well, Chip, the other day I was reading an article on Inc.com. I like to look at all their leadership advice and stuff. And they had something that said how to get insanely loyal employees like Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook has. And they came up with some special points. So at Facebook, every Friday, they have a Q&A session with Mark Zuckerberg for all the employees. Hmm. So Facebook's a pretty big company. Sure. So it's a no holds barred Q&A session. You can be as open and as transparent as you want to be. And he talks about like future projects they're working on, all sorts of stuff. So the idea is that if he didn't trust his employees, they might actually like leak out what's going to happen with Facebook. But Guess how often it happens? Like almost never. Hmm. Um, in the article, they say it happened one time and the guy uh, was forced to leave the company, I think. So there was a, a price for breaking that trust. So I thought it was kind of interesting. What do you think about a, a meeting situation like that? Trust is obviously a really tricky thing because there's a debate that's been going on forever. And that is, is trust something that is earned or is trust something that should be given right away? And then people you know, can either lose it or they can only strengthen it. What Mark Zuckerberg in this article, what they're really saying is that that openness and, and genuineness and transparency builds trust, builds a following, builds loyalty with employees, and that you're trusting them up front, you're giving trust, they don't have to earn it, he's giving it to them, and it's their opportunity to either create a stronger environment of trust or... If you have that rogue employee that well that violates the trust, shares information they know they shouldn't, that an effective leader immediately deals with the consequence of that so that it doesn't erode the trust with the rest of the group. You know, a lot of leaders will eventually get to a point where like, okay, none of y'all can be trusted because <laughs> one or two, you know, went out and shared a whole bunch of information. So everybody gets punished for the sins of one or two, yeah. where strong, effective leaders understand that trust is the foundation of any strong team or insanely, whatever the title of this was, insane loyalty or retention. Yeah, it's built on that and that you should not throw the baby out with the bathwater that that, that effective leaders deal with the, the one or two rogue people that go out and break the trust, but yet they continue to build the trust with the employees that are there. And they were saying the incident that happened was the employee leaked something to the press about uh, a new feature that Facebook was having. And they don't say exactly, but they say that it was probably the other employees that ratted the guy out because they felt so loyal to the company that they felt betrayed when this person betrayed Mark's trust. Sure. Absolutely. Well, and we say it all the time on this podcast, leadership is about relationships. Mm -hmm. It's not about control. It's not about structure and systems and process and all the stuff that leaders, you know, feel like they're responsible of. Leadership is about a relationship with individuals or with groups and that a relationship is either strengthened or weakened based on trust. In this situation, you know, you went outside of the, the box there and got, you know, violated the trust. And so there should be a consequence to that. 
But it so, strengthens, strengthens it with the people that are there that are even more loyal at this point. Right. Okay, so they have some points here I was going to kind of go through and get your opinion on. So they say, number one, breaking rules is no fun if it's too easy. Make it clear to people that you are leaving the door open for them to do right or wrong without your supervision. And most people will respond by doing right. What do you think about that? Yes, I agree with that. I think that nobody wakes up in the morning and goes to work with the intent of breaking trust or having a bad day or being in a bad mood. I, I think, you know, I say this all the time when when people are talking about the activities of employees and how negative they are, maybe how they, they continue to repeat bad behavior, so on and so forth. You know, I ask the leaders, do you think employees wake up every day with the intent of coming to work to screw up? Do, do, do you think they wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to irritate my boss today, break trust, uh, you know, break trust with my coworker, so on and so forth? No, absolutely not. They, they don't have that intent, but it happens. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that the absolute best thing that a positive, effective leader should do is start with the intent that people have the best intention in mind, Right. that you see them with that intent, and that you grade their actions with that intent mm -hmm. until they violate that over and over again. Then you get some real issues. But no, I think seeing them with that light, the first round is the best way to go. Right. Point two, your trust is a precious commodity that employees will want to protect. Facebook employees set a high value on this opportunity to see and talk to their CEO in this extremely open setting, and they don't like anyone threatening it. That is why many of them told the magazine that they tended to police one another and peer pressure from fellow employees was enough to make most Facebook employees keep their company's secrets. Sure, absolutely. Think about any situation where you're a part of a group and you feel that this group is valuable. Mm -hmm. You want to protect it. And in this group specifically, Mark probably flat out said, look, if you all violate the trust, not only will some members be punished, but there's a possibility the entire group will dismantle if we cannot keep this at a high level of trust because I'm trusting you. This needs to be a two-way deal. And so by him putting that out there, yeah, they're, they're self-policing. They're making sure that the group doesn't go away because they value that relationship and knowledge of what's going on with Mark. Mm -hmm. So it's smart. And then point number three was a company that runs on trust runs better than one that doesn't. Yes, there will be occasions when someone you've trusted will turn out not to deserve it. And you should react swiftly and harshly when that happens. But keep those occasions in perspective and stay focused on the big picture of the confidence you've created with the people who you work with. Yeah. Leaders are graded on the, the worst behavior that they will allow to happen inside of their organization. So think about you have 100 employees, all of 99 of which are doing great, and you have one employee that continues to erode trust, and they're difficult, and the leader of the organization continues to ignore the problem, hoping that the problem will fix itself or go away. Well, what it actually does is the, the problem continues, but the other 99 people that are there start to lose trust in the leader because they won't deal with the problem. Right. If that leader will deal with the problem swiftly, quickly, and address it right up front and try and control that bad behavior and give that employee the opportunity to fix, and if they don't, to let them go, it builds even a stronger loyalty, a stronger trust level with the 99 that are still there. And, you know, in our trust programs, we talk about it's based on those three pillars. One is, are, are people competent? So if they're being asked to be in this group and they're a part of Facebook, Let's just make the assumption that they're competent at their job. But the other two are they're compassionate. 
meaning they can put themselves in the shoes of other people. They care about other people. They, they can empathize with other people. And the third is they have a high level of integrity. And integrity is doing what you say you're going to do. So if you join the group, if Mark says, you know, to be a part of this group, it's we have to keep everything that is said in this room in this room, then the people with high levels of integrity, which in turn are trustworthy, will do just that. Mm -hmm. The people that are not trustworthy don't have a high level of integrity. They had no intention of keeping those rules anyway. And so there's a vetting process that unfortunately the Sometimes in organizations, the entire group gets punished because of one or two people, and that, that's a shame. It happens more often than not because leaders also have feelings, and they, you know, they, they're emotional as well. And so when your trust gets violated, it's hard to keep a high level of trust with everyone else when you have one or two rogue trust violators that, that sting you a little bit. But it's part of what growth and leadership role is all about. So this rogue employee was like one of 16,000, I think it was. Mm. So, I mean, that's a pretty good number, I would say, as far as people that violate your trust. Why don't people, I'm guessing for most people listening, they have smaller teams and they're dealing with smaller workplaces and they still have those toxic employees. How come they don't deal with them? Well, avoidance leadership is an epidemic and avoidance leadership is where leaders have so much going on there there's so much chaos so much day-to-day -day stuff that they need to do that dealing with a problem a problem employee specifically seems to be something that's on their list but not at the top of their list there's a lot of other things that they could be dealing with unfortunately leaders get a lot of recognition and accolades when things are going great and so we tend to downplay the problem employees or the problem issues where if we really created a, an overlying emphasis on all leaders inside of the organization, that when a problem pops up, that we address it and deal with it immediately, that we don't let it linger. We don't believe that it's going to fix itself by just letting it go, that we address it without emotion. We address it as a matter of fact, and we create norms. And that self-policing that you talked about with the group, that becomes even more apparent of the group's starting to self-police and deal with stuff immediately if the leaders will show that behavior first. They have to back them up. Yeah, absolutely. Our guest from last week, Mark Hemian, said, if I have somebody who's toxic to my workplace and I don't do something about it, I'm not only doing a disservice to my team because they're making the workplace toxic, but if they don't enjoy what they're doing, then I'm taking the joy away from them. They might be able to have the chance to find a new opportunity that will fit them better, and maybe they won't be so upset or have issues like they do in our workplace. Sure. Okay, so here's where the personal side, and you know, human beings are flawed, all of us are, so there's a, a lot of gray area here, and that is, is that what do we determine bad behavior? And is that determination based off of a few handful of people that say, well, I don't like the way Mary's acting, or I don't like the way Sam is acting? Mm -hmm. Or is there a predetermined set of negotiables and non-negotiables in the way we will treat and act with each other? And unfortunately, leaders, a lot of times, don't set those boundaries. They don't set the negotiable, non-negotiables up front. So an employee may be acting outside of the realm of what we think is normal, or maybe Mary or Sam believes that, you know, Mary Beth over here is causing problems and we got to deal with it. Well, if Mary Beth doesn't know it's outside of the realm of negotiable or non-negotiable, sometimes they're just not aware. Right. And leaders then have to stop what they're doing, which I'm sure they feel is valuable. And they have to deal with at times what they feel like is babysitting and okay, how do we get you guys to get along again? And how do we deal with this? And 
Mary doesn't think Mary Beth should be doing this, that, or chicken fat, so how do we fix it kind of deal? Mm -hmm. And, you know, leaders get to a point where they're just like, oh, my goodness, why don't we just let them work it out? Like, (laughs) you know, kids, like, go outside and figure it out, and and let's not deal with it. And uh, there's a balancing act, and it it takes a lot of work. Yeah, because everyone comes from a different upbringing, and the way they deal with people may be different or shaped by the experiences they have, and they may not see it as being a problem, like... You could even have a consensus of people think it's a problem, but really they might be seeing it wrong from the perspective of the person who is looked at as the problem employee. I'm going to give you a perfect example of a a session that I did just recently with a new employee into an organization that's been there a little over a year and she's having some roadblocks and she can't figure out why. And so I dealt with current leadership and said, what's going on? And they kind of filled me in. So I met with her and I said, tell me about What's going on in the organization? Why do you feel like you're getting roadblocks? What is it that's causing? And flat out, 100%, she had a major blind spot. She can't see what's going on. Her perception of the way people view her, unfortunately, is differently different than people really view her. And as we dug deeper and deeper, what we found was is that she is from the mindset, from upbringing and a couple of jobs prior to this, that the best way to deal with a problem is to be blunt, straight to the point, get it out there. Transparency is by far the best remedy to build trust. Well, it sounds good. What's the problem? The problem <laughs> is, is that her interpretation of transparency, dealing with a problem immediately, nipping it in the bud, so on and so forth, is that if using a hammer is effective, a sledgehammer must be <laughs> 10 times more effective. So her approach to dealing with a problem is to come in like a freight train and give 100% of her opinion of what should happen and why it should happen and why she's right. And I'm just going to nip this problem in the bud right away and I'm going to use a sledgehammer to do it because that's what effective leaders do. They nip Mm. problems in the bud immediately and they don't let bad behavior continue. Well, my coaching with her was the concept I understand. The emotional intelligence level that it takes to be able to deal with conflict, that is totally something, you know, different here. Mm -hmm. And so I applaud your effort to try and deal with problems immediately. Unfortunately, we have a lot of other work to do because the behavior you're trying to reinforce, which is, hey, there's a problem, let's nip it in the bud, let's let's be very blunt and open and transparent about how we feel about stuff, is actually eroding trust with you and your team versus building it up because of your approach to dealing with it. So what was the opinion of her from other people? That she dealt with things like a sledgehammer, that there was no give or take, there was no help clarify, there was no anything. It was she identified a problem, she was going to fix it, you were going to sit down, shut up and listen, and she was going to tell you what the problem was, why it's not going to be a problem anymore or you're not going to be here. And she didn't understand why her team didn't love her. (laughs) And part of it was just a blind spot. She thought that that approach was a a symbol of a strong leader. Mm -hmm. And that even from her paradigm of being a woman, that she needed to even amp it up even more because she wanted to come across strong and confident and transparent. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's why I'm thinking it. Here's what needs to stop. I don't want this team to lose its culture because of some bad behavior. So I'm here to enforce it. And what happened was at the end of the day and over a period of time, 
she sees herself as the enforcer in a sense, <laughs> and it's eroded trust. A lot of people don't want to bring up any issues with her because they've seen how she's dealt with it over time. So if you're her, how do you adjust to get your team to work with you better? Well, today we talked about context before content. Okay. Um, and context before content means that she walks directly in, says, Mary and Sam, sit down. I have to deal with this problem that's been brought to my attention. And instead of jumping straight into, here's what's been brought to my attention, here's what we're going to do about it, here's how we're going to fix it, and you're either on the bus or off the bus kind of deal, which has been somewhat of the MO, <laughs> she needs to start with context and say, here's the big picture of what's going on. Mm -hmm. I need to understand from you before I provide any content, am I understanding the context in which this situation happened? So you want to zoom out and then see it from different perspectives. That's right. You zoom out and collect as much information as possible before you deliver content. So many times leaders will come and say, okay, I got to deal with this problem immediately. I don't, I got to nip it in the bud. And so I'm going to walk into the office. I'm going to say, okay, here's a problem that just, just put on my desk. We've talked about this three or four different times. Here's a problem I'm dealing with right now. Dip up, up, up. I don't want to hear any more out of you. This is what's going on. It's not going to happen again. We're going to fix this, so on and so forth. The problem then is that we haven't clarified the context before we've delivered our content. Mm -hmm. That totally erodes any trust or any you know feeling of give and take. And so, again, stepping back, looking at context before we deliver any content makes a massive difference in the level of trust and the outcome of what we're trying to accomplish. I find this issue a lot when dealing with my eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. I'll say, hey, I need you to do this. And then he just kind of sits there or it continues doing whatever he's doing. And the non-communication to me is him saying, well, I don't care what you want me to do. I'm doing my thing. Where he could say, let me finish the thing I'm working on and then I will gladly take care of what you want me to do and it'd be better. But in the long run, both of us have this problem with each other because he's like, well, you know, I was going to do it, but I just need to finish my thing first. And I'm like, he's not listening to me. Yep. So we have this issue. But if we zoomed out and both of us looked at what each other wanted and the context of it, I would say, yeah, you know, take five minutes, finish your thing as long as you do the thing I want to do, you know, after that. And that's where trust is built. When you communicate, you understand the context before you deliver your content. You understand that intent is invisible to the other person mm -hmm. and that your intent has got to be clear, clear to them. You know, I can teach you a concept, but I can't teach you to understand it. You have to take on the understanding. And a lot of times we deliver a message and we assume that they understand the message we delivered. Well, that's not always the case, and you know that. And right. so one of the things before we get into content, in that context side of it, is listening for understanding and having them share back with you what you're sharing to them. So if I was to say, here's a reoccurring problem that's going on inside of the organization, you seem to be attached to it every time it comes up, can you help me understand? Mm -hmm. Stop at that point. If the other person tells, you know, repeats back to you, and clearly articulates exactly the problem you're talking about, then they un then we're on the same page in terms of context of what the real problem is. So many times, though, we assume they understand the context. So yeah. we go right to content, and we start arguing about something 
with that employer, child or spouse or whoever it might be, because we didn't frame the context at all. We just jumped right into content and we're fighting about stuff and we, we may fight for 20 minutes and realize, holy smokes, we're <laughs> fighting about something that is totally different. How did we totally start off completely on the wrong page? I feel like it's human nature for people to assume that other people can read their minds and yeah, their feelings. Well, and in the higher up in the organization you get, unfortunately, you would think with experience and time and so on and so forth that, that you would learn to slow down, deliver context before content, check for understanding, a lot of the stuff, the basics. Unfortunately, though, when there's chaos, when the business is growing, when there's a lot moving, a lot going on, so on and so forth, and you're dealing with multiple problems now, not just your small team, leaders feel the stress of not slowing down and creating the context and listening for understanding and the things they need to do. They just want to fix a problem. They just want to say, okay, this is reoccurring. I'm going to fix this right now. You know, in this situation with Mark Zuckerberg, the 16,000 employees. Now, I'm sure they don't all show up, but assume there's a thousand there. Mark doesn't have time to sit down and understand context before content with every single one of them, so on and so forth. And the larger the organization, the less communication there is, the more they just tend to fix stuff with a sledgehammer. I would say, and I would continue to reiterate, that trust is critical. And when I work with any organization or our partners around the world work with any of our organization, that is one of the first indicators we look for in company culture is Where's the level of trust? Where, you know, and is there a gap between senior leaders and frontline? Because there's a lot of self-deception going on at the senior level where they believe, oh, yeah, we have a great culture here. Everybody trusts what's going on. I mean, look at our numbers. We're cranking. We're killing it. We're doing so well. Yeah, this is like a big kumbaya fest. And then you get one or two layers deep and the gap between senior leadership and actual mid to lower level employees, there's this massive gap between trust and communication and loyalty. And the higher up in the organization people get, the more they tend to disconnect from reality of what's going on. And so when you find organizations that are high performing, that are really doing well, you will find senior level leaders that are constantly engaged with all levels of the organization. They're always taking a pulse. They're always studying what's going on and, and not just taking it as in a memo format. They're putting on their boots and going to the shop floor and talking to people and, and really and talking to customers and understanding. And that level of trust comes from continuous dedicated work on building trust, not just assuming trust is there because it's always been there. To your earlier point about slowing down and kind of working on your organization, I think of it like a little red wagon that you have, you know, full of some bricks or something. You have to go from point A to point B. Well, if one of your wheels is missing, you can still make it there, but you'll have to put in twice as much effort, right? Yep. Because you have to keep that, <laughs> that side of the wagon from falling on the ground. So if you stopped, take a moment and say, listen, if I get all four wheels here working together, this will be a lot easier. That's kind of how building and working on your trust and your relationships and your company work, right? Absolutely. Yeah, trust is a foundation. And when you watch the news and you find organizations that are falling apart, 99% of the time, trust has been broken with customers, with employees, with shareholders. Trust breaks and companies fall apart. And they can do everything else right. But that is such a critical secret sauce to every organization 
that is not something that should just be passed over and yeah, yeah, it's warm, fuzzy, kumbaya, group hug type stuff. No, it is absolutely critical at all levels of the organization and it should be at the top of the priority list of how do we continually measure this, reinforce this, live it, breathe it, make it a part of our culture. Because if we start losing trust with customers and employees and shareholders and others, we, that's the slipperiest slope there is in any organization. Excellent. So if you've liked what we've been talking about trust and you want to do like a deeper dive, we actually have an academy coming up soon where we're going to talk about the 360 solutions model and our high performance leadership model. When's that going to be, Chip? Uh, it's at the end of March. It's on our website. Matter of fact, right on the front page, uh, there's a little video of talks a little bit about the academy, what we're doing. And it's really designed for anybody that has a, a dream or a goal or a passion to help other organizations develop leaders, to develop their organization through three levels. We talk about personal leadership, team leadership, and organizational leadership. And we work with organizations small all the way up to large. But our our passion, what we do here is really help individuals that want to start, build, and run their own leadership development firm. We give them a framework and a process and a structure to be able to do that from standpoint of how do I get it started? How do I get leads? How do I turn those leads into appointments? And how do I turn those into proposals and then obviously into customers? And how do I build out a framework of deliverables, meaning product that keeps providing value to the to their clients? And that whole process is what we teach at the Academy. And if you go to 360solutions.com, you can fill out the form there and we will immediately send you electronically the first chapter of your book, Principles of High-Performing Leadership. Matter of fact, I'll go a step further. My email address is chip at 360solutions. And if anybody just sends me an email directly that says, Chip, listen to your podcast, want to come to the Academy, I think it looks great, and I'd love one of your books, I will send them a signed copy of my book for free. Not just the chapter, but you got to send me the email directly and let's start a conversation because... I am passionate about developing leaders, but more importantly, I'm passionate about helping people that want to start, build, and run their own firm doing this, helping others. You know, I can only impact so many people, but if I can teach others to do it, then we can make a much larger impact on a much larger scale. All right. So we hope to see you at the Academy in March and keep listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.